you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Go ahead and send some praise up to him in this house right now. Father, we love you tonight. We honor you. We lift you up tonight, God. You're worthy to be praised. I honor you, Lord. I honor you, Lord. Jesus' name. Glad you're here tonight. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for being here on this Wednesday night. It is, I believe, important that we study the Word of the Lord. Amen. I love Bible study and the opportunity to bring the Word of the Lord to you. And tonight, I'm not going to bring anything new to you. The principle that I'm bringing is a very familiar and common principle that I bring tonight with a strong sense of reminding to each of us of the importance of every action and every word. The Bible tells us that we will give an account for every idle word. Think about that. We will give an account for every idle word. Um, a pretty deep thought when we began to consider the fact that we're going to give an account for just something we say um, without maybe even any deep intent, every idle word. Um, the whole principle of Scripture reveals the idea of the law of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Of course, we understand the scripture uh, was written in Bible days, and the same principles uh, remain true even through today. But the idea was so prevalent in that day, in that uh, in the day of the scripture, uh, anyone and everyone would have understood some of the deeper meanings uh, of of a farming culture. And today as we have moved around, uh, moved through now what would be considered a postmodern world um, where we, are, we, we now don't think in farming terms and talk in farming terms in the way that, that society once did, that now there are times that we can pass over some things in Scripture and miss some of the deep ideas that the Scripture is unfolding specifically when it speaks to us in certain terms. In Galatians, the sixth chapter, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Galatia. And I'll read this. It's very familiar. Many of you could probably quote at least a portion of this as I begin to um, 
read it to you tonight in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. The Apostle Paul tells the church in Galatia, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He goes on to say, for he that soweth to his flesh shall reap, shall of the flesh reap corrupt, corruption. And he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And of course, he's not speaking at all about farming. He's not talking about uh, planting beans and peas and okra. But what he is talking about, he goes on, he's talking about in, this, in the Christian life, in, our, in our, our life. And let us not be, verse 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing. There again, it's connected to the idea of working and toiling in the field. But let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So I'm going to talk to you tonight about Sowing and reaping, such a common subject and seemingly simple subject tonight. But I want to remind you of the importance of everything that we do. Every word that we speak, every action or the lack thereof, everything matters. I want you to say that with me, everything matters. Everything speaks, everything matters. So the issue is, is that in everything that you do, you say, every decision you make, you are sowing in this life. Now you have to get this before we get anything else that I'm going to talk about tonight. But we, we have to get the idea that in everything we are doing, we are always sowing. Now I have a dog. Many of you have met Rip. He's the family pet that... Um, that I enjoy, um, I enjoy the idea of owning a dog, but I don't enjoy all of the qualities that come along with owning a dog. Um, having having Rip as a pet has been a, has been uh, a joy and 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 stress from time to time. Um, the the consistency of taking care of him, um, I can't say that he's been as difficult as as my kids, but. But he's he's not always been he's not always been easy. Um, I sent Rip for training when I first when I first got him, and um, I, I got him from a guy out of Arkansas, and he had had some training when I actually uh, located him through uh, the trainer that I was using. I reached out to the trainer. The trainer helped me find the dog, and um, when he called me and said, "I think I found a dog that's fitting for your family," described him. And I said, okay, sounds good. Um, I, I see what we can do to, to meet him. He sent me some video, and, and I, I decided on, yeah, that would, that would be the dog. So, um, so we, we brought Rip into the Jordan household. And then, of course, I put him with a trainer, and he spent some time with a trainer. And I, I would go occasionally over to the trainers um, where he was actually boarded there because he was in training every day. And so I would go over to the trainer, and when I would go in to 
the trainers, he would say, all right, today is not about dog training. Today is about, is about owner training. And he would tell me, and it kind of offended me a little bit. He would say, the dog's smarter than you are. Well, I didn't want to hear that, but what he was telling me is that the dog is more trained than I was. In other words, I don't know how to handle the dog. So now I have to go through dog handling. I have to learn how to be a handler. And so he would, he would teach me how to handle and everything. He, said, he would tell me right off the start, now everything you do matters. And I didn't fully understand that. And, and still to this day, I, I struggle with, with my boys all completely understanding. Dylan, of course, has worked with him quite a bit and, and understands. Um, Gentry loves the idea of my dog. He loves to spend time with him, probably spends as much time with him as any of us does uh, do when he is home. And, um, but he doesn't grasp the full concept of dog handling because he didn't go through the training that Dylan and I went through. And so his is more just experience. And so he gets frustrated when uh, Rip doesn't do what he wants him to do. And uh, the issue is, is I struggle with Rip spending time with, with uh, Gentry because Gentry will train him to do things the wrong way. Now, that's because he doesn't know what he's doing. And so he, he doesn't have the, the skill set. He hasn't learned the, the skill set. And so uh, my dog trainer would tell me, he said, everything you do is training your dog. And he told me that right off the start. Everything you do is training your dog. Every movement is training him. He is watching you because it is built in him, in his nature, that he wants to please you. And he is reading your body language, he's reading your actions, your tones, he's reading everything about you, and he is trying his best to, to, uh, to, to train you. But there's some things that a dog can't understand. And he said, so what you accept today, what you do today, uh, tomorrow, you, you know, today he comes running out and you're like, here, come on, boy, come on, come on, come on. And up on you he jumps and you just trained him that it's okay for him to, to come and, and, and jump on you. And so tomorrow I'm in nice clothes and I go out and he comes running and guess what he wants to do? He wants to jump on you. And so my trainer would tell me, you are always training. You, you have to decide if you want the dog to jump on you or not. You can't let him one day and not let him the next. Because that creates confusion. And so he says, you're always training. Everything you do, you're always training. And so the dog is always learning. And so he learns when you walk out, there are certain things that he is not allowed to do. Now, I can always tell when Gentry comes home. Because Gentry comes home, he walks, he opens the gate, he steps into the backyard, and the first thing he does is throws his arms out and starts yelling for, for, for Rip to come, and he comes and he jumps on him, and he jumps on him and wrestles with him, and so then I come in, uh, you know, I'm on my way to church, I'm in my suit, I open the gate, and I start to step through, and guess what happens? Here comes Rip. Because he has already been trained that it's okay to jump. And so here he comes, and of course I have to train him with a stiff right arm. And so I have to give him a command and an action, which is when he jumps, I catch him by his neck and push him down and give him a strong command, and all of a sudden he recognizes, oh, that's not gentry. 
And so it only takes a couple times for me to settle him down because he doesn't speak English, you know. And so uh, I know we think they do, right? And so, uh, so we're, we're always training. Everything we do matters. And so it, there's, always, there's, there's always this training. So what I'm trying to, to speak to you tonight in this idea that I want to bring to you about the law of sowing and reaping and everything you do, you are always sowing what you are going to reap into your future. No matter what you are doing, there are no off days. Are you with me? You're always, the law of sowing and reaping is always in effect. So whatever you do today, there will be a certain repercussion, both good and bad. You never stop sowing. Say that with me. I never stop sowing. And you will reap whatever you sow. The principle applies to everyone, both Christian and non-Christian. The idea of sowing and reaping is the same idea of it rains on the just and the unjust. So the law of sowing and reaping is for everybody. You, you, the law of sowing and reaping must always be considered. Now, working in a church, we often have people that, that don't attend church here, but somebody, somebody around will, will call and they'll ask, uh, you know, some, I love the phone calls that you say hello and the first words out of your mouth. Yes, do you pay light bills? Yes, I pay mine. And I'm not making light of people who are struggling, but sometimes people will come and they're like, hey, could I get some help with my rent this month? Okay, let me ask you a question. If I pay your rent this month, what is your plan to pay rent next month? Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll deal with that when it gets here. You understand that we can be responsible for creating, we, we can be responsible through our actions for creating repercussions that will have long-lasting effects. Now, I, I'm not making light of people who have struggles and need help. The church is here, we do our best, we try to help, we do what we can. Um, but the, the, facts, the facts are, there are some people that just make bad decisions. I mean, serving in the, the role that I serve in often, um, I, I've, had, I've dealt with so many different individuals from different settings. Uh, I've had people walk up and they introduce themselves with, as they pull out the cigarette and say, hey, can I borrow a light? And I'm like, no, I don't smoke. And they're like, okay, well, listen, you know, my kids need some food. And I'm thinking, excuse me? You, you have the money to smoke, but don't have the money to buy your kids food. So, so you, you understand, you understand that I then have to make a decision on how am I going to respond to this? So am I going to turn this into a, a teaching session? Am I going to train them? Am I going to help them understand where some of their problems are? Or am I just going to get them out of my life but throw in $20 at them and hope they shut up and move along? So everything we do 
is, is sowing. We're sowing. The words we speak are sowing. And the principle applies. The principle is irrevocable. There is no escape in it, either for the believer or the unbeliever. It's the law of life. Do you notice, do you notice how Galatians chapter 6 begins with, Be not deceived. It starts there. Be not deceived. Why does the writer begin with be not deceived with the principle that is getting ready to follow? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Now what does mocking God have to do with this? In other words, God has put a principle in place. You will never be able to trick God into this principle and this idea not working. You can deceive everybody around you, but you will never deceive God. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth is what he's going to reap. So we can't be careless about this. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Herein lies the root cause of the careless and indulgent lifestyle of many people. They are deceived. They're deceived. They either do not believe truth or they think somehow that they are going to be an exception of God's principles and God's laws. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. Now listen, there are no exceptions. God is not going to be laughed at. God is not going to be mocked. Don't you be deceived because this principle is going to work for everybody, everywhere, every time, at every state in life. So it's a pretty powerful word. Now I'm spending a lot of time here because I want us to really understand the consequences of sowing and reaping. To mock God is to turn one's nose up at God, to hope, to hope that you're going to outwit him. What a foolish foolish thought. You will never outwit God. You're never going to outsmart God. You're never going to outmaneuver God. Whatever you sow, that you will always reap. We could take a, a plant and we, we, could take a, we could take a pot and I, I almost went up to the north building today and tried to see what I could find to bring out here just as a little illustration to you, but I think you can understand. But I could come over here and say, hey, I'm going to, this pot right here, I've got, I've got soil in this pot, and, and let's plant seed here, and let's go over to this pot, and we're going to plant different seed here, and, and we're going to go over and we're going to plant yet a different seed here and a different seed here. And, and it doesn't matter what kind of seed that you sow, because we have good intentions, right? Our good intentions are what as a group, what, what is it we want to what is it we want to we want to reap? What, what's the harvest? What do we want? We want we want corn. This by the showing of hands, we want corn. We want beans. What what are we what are we what are we sowing here? We, 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 we want corn, okay? Which looks like I don't know, I got a heads nodding and people going, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. 
Okay, so, so we've decided. We have good intentions, right? So we, we have good intentions. We've all agreed that we want corn. And so our intentions were right. But unfortunately, if we didn't plant corn seed, our intentions is not going to cause God's principles to change. Now, I've heard of miracles before. I've heard stories before. I, I've never done it. I'm not planning to try it, and God help me to never need to. But I heard somebody was running out of gas one time. They put water in their gas tank, and the car started up and ran on water. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm just trusting that they, they, they weren't lying for God. But somebody said it worked for them. But the principle of sowing and reaping in your life, God is not going to change that principle for anybody. If you sow beans, you're going to reap beans. God is not going to cause bean seed to bring forth corn. Now, we can have good intention, but whatever we sow is what we're going to reap. Am, am, am I making a little bit of sense to you here? So whatever it is that we put in, that's what we're going to get out. So we can, we can say, well, that wasn't my intent, but I'm going to continue to do that. My wife sometimes will do something, and I'm like, ow, ow. She's messing with my arm or my hand, or, and I'm like, ow, ow, ow. Would you stop? She's like, well, I'm not trying to hurt you. Well, you are hurting me. Would you please stop? And she's like, oh, well, I really wasn't trying to hurt you. But that intention, that intention didn't change the fact that when you pinch on my skin, on my arm, I'm going to feel pain. Good intentions didn't change that. So we can't have good intentions and expect that God is going to change the outcome of our actions because our intentions were right. I believe God judges us on matters of intention, but the outcome, we are going to pay the price for our outcome is going to be whatever we have sown. The problem with the, the problem is, is a lot, of, a lot of people believe that they are going to be an exception to the rules. So th there are some laws in sowing and reaping. Not every seed planted is good seed. If you sow bad seed, you know, you could probably go over here to Rule King. I, I'm not, it's, I know it's farming season. I drove by the Blodgetts the other day and I saw, I saw Brother Mark out. He's planting in his garden. I saw him working out outside in his garden. I drove by. And I know some of you probably big big gardeners. You have like six tomato plants. You're you're in the gardening business, and um, you, you you can choose what what you want to do. You go over to Rule King or wherever it is that you go to buy seed, and you go in. And I'm sure you have options. But when you, when you buy seed, most of you know, if I'm going to put the work into tilling the ground, and I'm going to put the, the, the time into fertilizing, and I'm going to put the time into working the garden, I, I'm not going to plant the cheapest seed. Just, just, give, me any, just give me some. Uh, that's, you, you've got anything, listen, you, you've got anything back there in the back room? I, I mean, some seed that like, was left over from a couple years ago. Just give me some of that. It doesn't matter what brand it is. It doesn't matter. Yeah, just 
That's, that looks like seed. Let me, let me just, it's just, just whatever. Listen, if you plant just whatever, you know what you're going to reap? Just whatever. If, if our walk with God, if, if we take, ah, you know, ah, what, what, just whatever. Ah, it, it's not a big deal. It, it's just whatever. If our worship is just whatever, you know what we're going to reap? We're going to reap according to what we have sown. So we have to, the idea is we have to plant good seed. Because if you don't plant good seed, you're not going to reap a good harvest. Because we reap what we sow. And are you ready? We reap more than we sow. The principle of sowing and reaping is not because you do this, you get this back. The idea of sowing and reaping, anybody that knows, gardening would make no sense if you only got back what you put in the ground. But the reason we put seed in the ground is because you put a seed in the ground that produces a plant, that produces a lot of seed that benefit you into your future. Because the law of sowing and reaping is not just you reap what you sow, but you also reap more than you sow. So it's so very important for us to understand what we are doing. The prophet Hosea describes what awaits those who choose to sow seeds of wickedness. Here's what he said in Hosea 8 and 7. They sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh, what's he going to reap? He's not going to reap spiritual things sowing to the flesh. If we're spending all of our time on the flesh, we're gonna, the flesh is going to benefit, but it's not going to affect the spiritual man. So we have to decide what we're going to put our energy on. The one who sows to please sinful nature, from that sinful nature, will produce a harvest. The one that sows to please the Spirit, from that same Spirit, will reap a spiritual harvest. So when we feel like, is my prayer time really that important? You know what our prayer time is? We're working, we are sowing seed. It's the idea of sowing and reaping. Your prayer time is not wasted time. You are sowing and reaping. It's just like the bank account. Some of you, some of you under, will understand this whole idea. If you, you know, we can have good intentions that we want to retire. My wife and I talk about this sometimes, and I tell her, hey, we we, you know, we have to we gotta we gotta we have to plan for our future. We need to plan for our future. The idea is if we if we just live life to the fullest, enjoy everything and spend everything we have, and then someday decide, oh, I think I'm ready to retire. The problem is I didn't think about the law of sowing and reaping. I didn't think about the fact. That if I want to retire, I've got to put a plan together that's going to get me to retirement before I get there. 
I'm, I'm trying to bring it to you in different ways that you can understand it. We can want to have a spiritual life. You can want to be in tune with God. You can desire to be in tune with God. But if you're going to be in tune with God, we have to plant things in our life intentionally that is going to reap a life that is spiritually in tune with God. I don't want to just run into somebody and see them and say, Woo, I just want what you have. If you really want what they have, what you need to ask them is, What did you do to get to where you are? Sometimes you got to ask the right questions. What did you do to get to where you are? You see, uh, the kids are out tonight. Youth are all out tonight. They don't think sometimes. They've definitely, you know, youth don't think in adult language. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? It's, listen, I, we do marital counseling, premarital counseling, all the above. And, and I've, I've yet to find a couple Every couple believes the same lie. You want to know what that lie is? That they are not going to be like their parents. They all believe it. They really do. Hook, line, and sinker. They believe it. And no matter how much, y'all listening to me real good? The lie was doing a lot, doing, doing, doing most all of our premarital counseling right now and, and they probably figured this out already listen no matter how much I tell them they're like well yeah our parents yeah they were like yeah everybody else is like that oh I listen when my wife used to look at me when we would get in the car and she would say our kids won't ever act like those kids they are out of control <laughs> we're not going to be the exception there are exceptions it does happen once in a blue moon but that's not going to be the, the, the day to day we all are not exceptional and we're not exception to the rule if you want a strong marriage Guess what? You're not going to just say, Oh, I want a strong marriage, so therefore I have a strong marriage. I have an issue. Oh, I need them to zoom in on that camera real close so I can say this for every online listener that, 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 wants, to, that, that, that wants to differ with what I'm about to say right now because I know there's some that watch us online and then try to pick apart some of the things that I teach and preach. But I'm going to say this very, very clear to you. You can name it and claim it till you fall dead without breath. It doesn't mean it's going to come to pass. You can faith it till you make it all you want to. does not mean it's going to come to pass. Yes, there is a God. Yes, I believe in miracles. But I also understand something. I can't just say, I speak faith over the Ford dealership. I speak faith over the Lincoln dealership. I, I, over the Cadillac dealership and I just claim all of those vehicles you know what I have good enough credit I can go sign up and get anyone that I want but you know what I gotta make that payment how you gonna make that payment I'm gonna do it by faith yes you are and a little cash 
Am I being too real with you tonight? You can want a good marriage, but if you're going to have a good marriage, you've got to work on your marriage. You can't neglect your marriage and expect you're going to have a good marriage. You can't, ex- you can't neglect your kids and expect you're going, your kids are going to grow up. You can't, you can't push your kids off for the school system to train and, and, and everybody else and push them to the, to, the school, to the Sunday school teachers and the children's ministry and think that's going to do it. You're going to have to live it in your home as well. Because you're going to get what you, you're going to reap what you sow. And so we can't expect that we're going to put all of our, you put all your focus on money, you can raise up a bunch of good kids that know a lot about money, but they may know nothing about God. If you want a family that is going to be spiritual, you are going to have to raise a spiritual family. It's intentional. I've had people tell me, this is the way I want my kids to turn out. But then I watch how they raise their family. And I'm thinking, your kids can't turn out the way they are because of how you are choosing to raise them. If you want godly children, you're going to have to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It's the law. Am I being too hard tonight? It's the law of sowing and reaping. You can't expect to have spiritual knowledge because God just automatically downloads out of heaven everything that's in this book. You're going to have to get your nose in the book and study this book and read this book and take it in. Thy word have I hid in my heart. That's the words of David. He hid the word of God in his heart that he may not sin. Against God. Your harvest is affected also by the condition of the soil that you plant in. We have to, we have to consider this. The condition of the soil. I have a very, very important question for you tonight. What, what do you spend your time on? Where are you spending your time? With whom are you spending your time? What are you spending your time on? Because the harvest is affected by the condition of the soil that you're planting in. You want to find things that you, you want to make sure the soil I'm planting in is good soil. So I need to work. I, 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 I want to work. I want to plant good seed. Listen, this word is good. You can choose, you can go get pop psychology, you can go down to the library or the bookstore and you can learn all you want. You can get on the internet and get all sorts of teachings and, and you, can, you can learn those and put those, but there's nothing going to, going to affect you like the seed of the Word of God. This Word right here is powerful and sharp, but it also matters the soil that it's being planted in. The soil... We are the, the, the soil that, that the seed is planted in. The soil doesn't grow well. Uh, the seed doesn't grow well in a hard heart. We, we have to manage the, the soil. We have to manage the soil. The, we, we have to condition the soil. There's times when our, our heart can become hardened. There's times we all go through things. We, we, we all face situations. I spoke with someone today about a person that's going through a very difficult time 
in their life and my heart bleeds for them and I, I, I understand what they're going through. I've walked through some dark days in my life and I know as many of you have walked through dark days in your life. You, you walk through these dark days and there's times, you know, sometimes it's, it's we, sometimes we're just going through some difficulty and, and, and we're going through seasons and struggles. But we have to understand that we need to plant the right seed in the right season, in the right soil conditions. Are you with me now? People ask sometimes, hey, do you have a just a fail-proof Bible study? It's just blanket. You teach this Bible study, anybody you come in contact with, you teach that Bible study, guaranteed, 100% of the time, they're always going to receive it, always going to be baptized in Jesus' name, always going to receive the Holy Ghost, always going to live a holy and righteous life before the Lord. No, there's no such thing because we have to meet people at the point of their need. Not every person, not, not everybody's soil is in the same condition. That's why some folks walk in and it's like, you know what, they need, they need, a, they got to have a little work. The farmers work in the fields. They go out, you know what they do? They do soil samples. They, they take little samples of soil and they send them off and they take them to the lab and they look through that soil. You know what they're looking for? They're looking to see what all of the, what all the, how much nitrogen and oxygen and I don't know what all is in it, but some of you know more about it than I do. But they look through to see all the things that they need. And so then they look at, at what is the percentages needed. And so then they go back to the fertilizer companies and, 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 and they find out what is it that we need to put back in this soil because this soil needs some conditioning. Not everybody that runs through the door comes in this door and they're looking for, oh, I just, I just absolutely want to know what truth is. I do believe we have truth, but some people don't walk in the door looking for truth. Some people walk in the door just looking for somebody to love them. That's all right too. We love them until the season comes that they will accept truth. I've heard people say, I preach to my kids all the time. Try something different. If you're preaching to them all the time and they're not listening, try loving them. Try affirming them. Try building them up. The soil's not ready for the seed that you're trying to put in it. You got to make sure the soil is ready for it. That's why timing is so very important. And then we have to decide. We have to decide where are we going to spend our time. We want to spend our best time in the best soil with the best seed. That's what, we're, that's what we want to do. But that doesn't mean that we neglect everything else. That means we, we find the one that the soil over here needs a little, it needs a little, uh, a, a little work. It needs, this soil needs some more tilling. This to, we, we try to find ways. That's why people say, why in the world? There's so many different ministries of the church. You know why? We're trying to reach everybody at the point that they are and get everybody's soil in a condition so that good seed can be planted so we can all bring forth a harvest. But we're all different. We come from different backgrounds, different walks of life. We've had different experiences in life. 
Some came from wonderful homes and families. Some came from broken homes and families. Some came from, from, from uh, different lifestyles. Different, we all came from different, different areas of life. So we have to work on the soil, get the soil to where this seed, this seed is good seed, nothing wrong with this seed. But sometimes it's just the soil needs a little work. So the harvest is affected by the condition of the soil. The more time, the more time we spend on the wrong thing, the less time we have to spend on the right thing. If you take notes, you might want to write that down. If you have kids and grandkids, you might want to tell them that specifically when they start dating. The more time that, I, I don't know how many times I've said this to, to, to young people and young adults that, that are dating the wrong people. and Oh, well, we're just friends. You know, we're just seeing what's going on. Listen, the more time you spend on the wrong thing, the less time that you have to spend on the right thing. Go ahead and make the cut now. They're never going to be good for you. They're never going to be right for you. You need to go ahead and cut that now. You're, they're never going to, if, if, you need to go ahead because that way you can spend the right amount of time in the right places. The Bible talks all about the, the, the seed sown. What does it say? It, it, there's, there's two different texts, and they, they both work hand in hand. It talks about sowing on stony ground. Talks about some of the seed when you sow, you can count on it. That's why the church can't dis get discouraged that that some seed is going to fall by the wayside. It just is. Well, man, we did this event, nothing profited from it. We gained nothing. We've had people come in the door and walk out the door. What's wrong with the church? There may be something wrong with how we're going about it, but sometimes some seed is going to fall by the wayside. Some seed's going to fall on stony ground, and it's never going to take root. They walk in the doors and they walk out. The seed was planted, but the soil was stony. Some fall in shallow ground. It takes root, but when the... When the heat gets turned on and they, they go through a little drought season, they're gone because the seed was, was, had shallow roots because the soil was shallow. But then the Bible says, but some, everybody say some, some seed falls on good ground. You know why I love teaching on Wednesday night? I am pretty sure this is good ground. This is fertile ground tonight. People that have been through the storm, they, they say, you know, if they come on Sunday morning, they, they, they come on Sunday morning, they like the church, they come Sunday night, they like the preacher, they come Wednesday night, they like God. So I'm, I'm here tonight talking to some people that love the Lord and, and, and your good ground, and I'm, I'm, I'm planting some good seed and some good soil tonight. It's going to bring forth. But the Bible gives us that calm assurance just as sure that if the church comes in and it's like, boy, I guarantee you here's what we're going to do. We're going to hang on. We're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to disciple 100% of the people that come through. Not even a biblical concept. We want it. We reach for it. We strive for it. I'm going to work for it and I'm not going to be the judge and say, yeah, that's bad soil right there. Y'all going out the door. No, 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 no. Everybody that walks in the door right there, I'm going to say, God, I sure hope they're good soil because I'm about to work on that. 
I'm going to plant in them. I'm going to reach for them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to do everything within my ability. And when they're out here, I'm still going to go and keep reaching and keep reaching and keep reaching and keep, because that's what the Lord told us to do. But you can't get discouraged because some fall by the wayside and some spring up and don't last because of the sun because there are going to be those that's going to be good ground and they're going to bring up and they're going to reap a harvest. And then the Bible also gives another example and talks about the harvest and it says some brings forth some brings forth 30 fold some 60 and some 100. It brings it it kind of breaks it down in this category. That means there's some folks when it comes to discipling, am I helping the church at all tonight? There's some folks, you know, I'm, I'm talking to, to, to group leaders and ministry leaders and workers in the church that are giving your time, your energy, your effort, and you get discouraged because, man, this isn't working the way that it needs to. I'm discouraged because I've taught two Bible studies and, and neither one of them stuck. Teach a third one. If they don't stick, teach a fourth one because the Bible said there's, there's going to be some good ground. Well, I taught and they stayed, but boy, they don't produce much. The Bible said some are going to produce 30-fold, some 60, but then there's going to be some. There's some 100-fold people. I believe right here in this church, there's some 100-fold people. I believe every week God sends some 100-fold souls through the door, some people that are coming in. There's going to be, a, I, I believe that God, and, and, and as a church, we've got to believe. We've got to work for that and reach for that. But at the same time, we can't be discouraged. We will reap what we sow. And so we've got to trust the law of sowing and reaping and know that we shall reap, what does the Bible say? If we Faint not. i got to move. I'm going to try to wrap this up in about the next 10, 12 minutes. For the labor, for the worker. To reap the harvest is more than just planting. As a matter of fact, the scripture speaks of it like this. I think it was the apostle that said, some plant, some water, but who gives the increase? But God gives the increase. We're, we're not responsible for the increase. We, we've got some wonderful ministers in this church, and you preach. But listen, sometimes we finish preaching and feel like all of that, I kind of mentioned it last night in, our, in one of our groups. Sometimes you preach, you, you've studied six, eight hours for a sermon. You, you've, you've prayed an hour, two, three hours over a sermon. You spend a great part of your week to get up and try to preach a, a message it, it, with the best of your ability, you put a lot of time, a lot of energy. When you preach, you're, you're spending your emotions, you're spending your energy, you're spending your effort. You've put a lot of time, energy, effort, work, labor into it, and you preach. And at the end, you give an altar call, and people walk to the front and look around. And about two minutes later, everybody dismissed, and you said, all of that work, nobody really prayed. All of that work, nobody got the Holy Ghost. All that work, nobody got baptized. And we could very, very easily become discouraged with the work and feel like, what's the use? Why? Why spend the time? Why study so hard? Why pray so hard? Why work so hard? And we can become the, the flesh. You you're with me tonight? 
the flesh becomes discouraged and feels like it. There's churches, even this church has been through seasons where we've gone weeks and months and months and months when nobody baptized and nobody filled with the Holy Ghost. And we start thinking, oh my goodness, what's wrong with the church? Nothing's wrong with the church. We are in a different season. The times of refreshing are going to come. You can plant all you want to. You can take some good corn and you can plant it in November, but it's going to lay dormant. You can get mad at it, dig it up, throw it out, plant some more. It's still not going to reap until the season comes. And when the season comes, it will began to produce the potential rests in the season there are good things that's going on in every season oh I wish I could get this through to us some I know you're tired work today and you're weary if you just give me your mind for just a moment give me your heart for just a moment there's nothing wrong with the church because we go through a season that we're not seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. There's nothing wrong with the church because we go through a season that nobody's being baptized and nobody's being filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes, we want miracles, signs, and wonders. Yes, we want people baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost every week. But we may go through a season when God is saying, this land, I'm going to do something different for a while. I'm going to start working perfection into some of the saints. I'm going to start building and strengthening homes and marriages. I'm going to start blessing in different ways. So we've got to be thankful and understand no matter what season we're in, there's great potential in this season. God's doing something. If the only time we can rejoice is when the harvesters are in the field and the, and the, 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 the wagons, the grain wagons are running over and spilling that's only a few days out of the year. There's seasons of toil. Are you ready for this? And there's seasons of rest. There's seasons that that ground needs to lay. There's seasons. I don't like rain. I really don't like snow. Somebody the other day, you know, I talked about snow and it snowed on Monday and I got, I got condemned. They were ready to crucify me. And then somebody, I think it was Sister Nancy Irish said, you know that, that snow is good for the plants? And I'm like, don't tell me that. I don't like snow, particularly this season I don't like snow. But it's true. The moisture content, what it does, find the potential in the season that you're in and maximize it and give God glory and praise for the season that you're in because we will reap if we faint not. There's times that we're laboring and working and there's times that we are waiting I close with this idea the season of waiting 
may be among the hardest of seasons for some of us. Mm. The season of waiting. If you gather the harvest before the right season, your harvest is not going to be beneficial. You can't, you can't harvest the grapes until they're ripe. You have to harvest in the right season. When my growing up, we had a garden every year, a big garden. I worked in that crazy garden. Oh, it was wonderful. I, I loved it. Wish I could go back to it, but when I was about 15, 16 years old working in the garden, I hated it. I worked in the garden. My family would raise all sorts of fruits and vegetables, mainly vegetables. They, they had some tomatoes and peppers and all sorts of things. I remember my dad, when I, I, I always understood the principle, but a lot of times tomatoes would begin to turn and he didn't let them wait till they got completely ripe on the vine. He, he would let them, he watched them. And when they got to a certain place, he would pick those tomatoes and he would go and he would set them up in the window where the sun would hit them and he'd let them ripen in there because he'd say, well, you know, birds and bugs and all sorts of things would get in them. He said, you know, they'll, ripe, they'll ripen right here. And so I, I remember as a kid trying to figure out the exact right time to do that because you could go out there, and I remember one year I got in some trouble. I came in and I had a whole tub full of green tomatoes. And my, I was young, and my dad's like, son, what have you done? Well, I thought we could put these in the window. He said, you can put those in the window. Those are going to rot. Those are green tomatoes. They're not ready to be picked. You picked them too soon. They're never going to ripen. They're never going, you, you pick the harvest too soon. It's not ready. The, the season of waiting, sometimes we can get all beside ourselves and, and trying to force things to happen that is not ready. We can, can I, can I preach real to you for the next four minutes? When people walk in the doors of this building, we've got to wait and give God time. They don't walk in, receive the Holy Ghost as a new babe in Christ, and learn how to talk like an adult by the next week. It takes time. We've got to give time for the harvest to, to bring its potential. And you never know what that harvest is going to be until the season of waiting is over. And when the season of waiting is over, there's going to be a rejoicing. Because mama would... We would go in, and I remember those nights when she would say, all fresh tonight, and it was fresh beans and cut cucumbers and tomatoes and squash and everything out of the garden. The whole meal would be nothing but things out of the garden, and we would sit down and eat too much, and, and she would, come on, eat more, eat more, and it was so wonderful. I go back and remember those seasons, and we were just rejoicing, and then all of the work in the garden seemed like, oh, it was worth it. Because we were reaping the benefit. See, when things are going well, and we're reaping the harvest, and we're blessed, and our bellies are full, and the church is prospering, we can look at all the work that we do. But what about the seasons that we're just working and laboring and tilling soil, but there's no harvest? Don't get discouraged. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. 
Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. That's why as a church, we've got to just keep on sending missionaries. We've got to just keep on giving in offerings. We've got to keep on laboring. We've got to keep reaching. We've got to keep saying wherever I can fit in, wherever I can work, wherever I can labor, whatever I can do. Because if we faint not, we will reap. I'm done, Shell. Come give them some hope tonight. I'm going to tell you tonight, if you sow, you sow in prayer, your prayer is going to... You're not wasting your time. You're going to reap. Stand with me tonight. You sow in the word, you're going to reap in growth. This word, you will grow. You sow in obedience to God's word, you know what you're going to reap? Your life is going to begin to develop. It has to happen. It's going to happen. The Bible even said those that sow in sorrow are going to reap in joy. They're going to doubtless come again. I want to tell the church tonight, don't let discouraging times break your spirit. Don't let times that you're going through hardship and struggle and feel like all the labor that I'm doing seems like it's in vain. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord because you're going to reap if you faint not. Bow your heads with me right now. Father, we need you tonight. Speak to every heart in life. Let encouragement come to every person in this room tonight. For that one, Lord, that has been working and laboring in your kingdom and feels like that their time is being wasted. God, I pray that your strength and your encouragement comes to them tonight. Be the strength to them. Be the lifter of their head. God, bring us together. Let us, let us come together, Lord, in every season. Let us strengthen one another. Let us understand, God, that some plant, some water, but you, it's you that gives the increase. And we all rejoice in that season of increase. God, that the potential of this church would be, Lord, would, would just explode. Lord, that you would, you would bring revival and growth to us. Let it come to pass. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Sing this chorus together. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. I'm glad you were here.